We should find our. We should find like a some some sort of a fun run or something to do together. Have fun. <laughs> well, uh, we will because it'll be a fun <laughs> run. You don't actually have to run. You oh, can walk it. I see. We could walk it. I don't think I don't think they have like a five meter fun they run. The five meters. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, today, no, not today. <laughs> today? Not today? I am, no. Well, it is today, but no, I am Rob Minot. And just, just today, though. Just for today, one day only, limited time offer. Okie doke. Joining me today, Mr. Steve Barkley. I want to know what we get tomorrow if we don't accept this Rob offer today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to... You'll have to keep posted to my Facebook page to find out. All righty. And Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And with us today, we have a very special guest sitting in with us, Harjinder Saran. Hi. Yay! Hang on, that's got to be jingle stick worthy, right? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll throw the cowbell in too. We haven't done it for a while. Yay. Uh, hey, thanks so much for uh, helping us out today and joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Before we get into the show, which, uh, Ryan, what are we doing today? Today is our monthly news show, so we're talking news. That's right. Uh, but before we do that, we should make note of something. What? Uh, it's it's our 100th episode. Oh, yay! Yay! yay. <laughs> That's right. We're in the three digits now. Yay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Who who would have thunk it? Not Cer- I. Certainly not me. Yeah. I, I, I guess I was the visionary of the group. You, you were. I had big dreams from that very first day we sat around the lunch table talking about it. I, I foresaw great things. You're, you're never going to let us live that down, are you? Well, nope. I'm still waiting to see the great things. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Ryan. <laughs> uh, but we should note that next week uh, we're going to be doing our big two-year anniversary show. Yay. So uh, what we've decided for that, we, we threw around the idea of we maybe doing a live Twitter chat. Um, but, you know, it just seemed overly complicated and too, there was too much of a risk of failure. Yeah, because, like, who's going to show up? Right, exactly. Because uh, we are recording it, what, Monday? Monday at 11 to 1. Yeah, so. Pacific time. So, in lieu of that, though, what we will say is if you drop us a line in the coming week, um, and I guess by the time the show airs, they're, they're basically going to have the weekend yep. to do it. Uh, Unless but, you're posting it this week. No. Start, you're not going to post anything about it on Twitter or Facebook? Yeah, I will. I'll do that as well. Um, But in any case, uh, if you're listening to this, you still have two days. Drop us a line, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Ask us a question. Make a comment. You can tell us we suck. We'll read everything on the air. 
doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. It, if there's if there's like a you know a Nigerian spammer out there, we will read your email <laughs> online. Anything and everything that comes in our inbox in the next week, we will read. Bold. Very bold. Thank you. So we put, <laughs> put the call out there, trolls. Come on, do your worst. <laughs> we, have, we have 45 minutes of show that we don't know what we're going to do. So we got two hours of show. Two hours, that's right. We scheduled it. It's going to be epic. Yeah. Although by the time we edit out all the, all the inappropriate things... Yeah, it'll be about 20 minutes. It'll be about 20 minutes. <laughs> there, there may be alcohol involved. Oh, maybe it's the raw and uncut show. Ooh. Every show is a raw and uncut show. <laughs> uh, anyways, so that is it for um, boring announcements. Well, thanks for that. All right. Oh, I'll just give them a pause there in case, in case you had something you wanted to jump in. And Hey, so how was the... Uh, you, 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 we were at the... Uh, the AEBC conference over the weekend, or on Friday. We we were indeed. Uh, what were your impressions of that? For anybody who doesn't know, what does AEBC stand for? Uh, Advocates for Equality of Blind Consumers. Excellent. Excellent organization. Fabulous, yes. Uh, and how, how uh, what was your impression of the conference this year? Um, it was, uh, in the exhibit area, it was probably the busiest that I've seen at one of those conferences. It was, uh, very well attended. People were coming around asking us all kinds of questions. We were, we were kept busy pretty much all the time. It was good. I mean, I heard, I heard something about it. I think I got an email about it too. I unfortunately was busy, but I did have plans to go this year. Unfortunately that didn't work out. So I'm hoping to go sometime. Uh, you, you didn't miss anything. It totally sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You, you missed a goodie. <laughs> yeah, they had some interesting workshops from the looks of it. Yeah. 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 I, want, I really wanted to check out the one on the, I think it was the UN That's rights right. one. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to that actually sit in on that That was the one I really too, wanted to check out. I forgot all about it and then never did it. Well, you know, I think we, I still have the program. I think maybe what we'll do is we'll get Ryan to reach out to the uh, the fellow that did the uh, the workshop and, yeah, and get good. him on the show. They were streaming some of that stuff too, so it might be archived somewhere. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm, okay. That's right. They were, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Without further ado, let's launch into this, boys and girl. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, let's uh, start with you telling us a little bit about who the heck Harjinder Saran is. Okay. Um, so, as you heard, I'm Harjinder Saran. I have been legally blind since birth. Um, I'm 18 years old. I'm currently in my first year of post-secondary studies. Um, I'm doing a Bachelor of Arts, and I'm hoping to become a social studies and or English teacher one day in the future. Very um, brave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, did you always want to be, be a teacher? Was that something that you, from a very early age, you, you kind of had a, a hankering for? So, um, no, I mean, I, I changed my mind a lot. I mean, I remember when I was seven, I was like, I'm going to be the prime minister of Canada. But, you know, those are just dreams that, yeah, I that hey, will hey, hey, probably hey, hold, not happen. Hold on, but if, then, if a drama teacher can do it, certainly an English and uh, <laughs> social teacher can do it. Hopefully, that's true. But I mean, it changed. So I was I wanted to also be a counselor for a long time. I was really into psychology and maybe you know a lawyer, but that, that faded pretty quick. I mean, most of my jobs that I wanted to do or careers that I wanted to go into were 
based on what I thought I could do, uh, teaching really came in about last year um, when I, you know, realized that I can do any career that I want to do. It doesn't matter um, what my abilities are. So, yeah. And that's an excellent attitude. Now, now spinning off of that, um, I understand that you have been uh, very involved with uh, the, the organization here locally, Blind Beginnings. You know, we've, we've of <laughs> course, had Sean... Uh, Marcelet uh, on the show a few times uh, talking mm-hmm. about Blind Beginnings. But um, tell us a little bit about how long you've been involved in Blind Beginnings because you you started the organization as a teen, right? Um, yeah. So I started in 2014 as part of um, Blind Beginnings Youth Leadership Weekend. Uh, I was very, very I want to say, I don't want to say unconfident, but I think I was very, very sheltered and limited so when I originally went, I wasn't something I thought I would be interested in. I kind of felt really shocked at everyone being so confident because through that weekend, you get to live alone in a hotel. You have a roommate and there were chaperones, but you do have to do some of those things. You get to take public transit, order a meal on your own, learn skills. And for me, that was very scary just you know, diving headfirst into that because as a child, I was never, ever exposed to that. I mean, the only time I really saw blind children were once a year at a summer camp. So seeing them all there with me in a room was kind of almost like a different world to me. So after that, I remember like I didn't really want to be involved and I didn't really want to volunteer, but I'd go to the meetings to show my face. Um, I remember uh, doing we had our blind beginnings flash mob in Metro town. Mm-hmm. I think that was in 2015. Um, I think that was the first breakthrough I had knowing that I could um, partake in that. It just takes time because of course I'm going to be a little bit shocked because I've never been exposed to it. But, you know, uh, the people at blind beginnings helped me realize that I could do it. And then after that, I started taking some risks and I, uh, volunteered to be the chair of our card committee where we make uh, braille Christmas cards and we sell them as a fundraiser. And then I later on applied to be the youth representative on their board of directors. And I'm currently serving my second year um, as the representative. So, I mean, I wasn't very confident at the start, but now I couldn't not be more thankful to Blind Beginnings. And it definitely has a huge impact on people like myself and families. So it's a great organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and and you are a, you know a perfect case study for the the importance of that because mm-hmm. you know the, the the message that they really drive home is the fact that there's you know you you don't don't need to limit yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's the, one of the things I love about them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, now you were also a part of the the um, grind for the blind. Uh, Yeah, one of my greatest accomplishments. (laughs) Challenge. Um, Yeah, how did you enjoy that? Tell us a little bit about that experience. Mm -hmm. So I remember when Sean brought it to the board, I was like, yeah, I'm down for that. But then she starts talking about how physically you have to be fit. And I'm like, physically fit? Those are like (laughs) the two farthest words away from me. Like, I'm none of those things. And I remember I signed up anyways, and I knew that I probably wouldn't do it, but at the same time, I was prepared for the challenge. So I remember doing my first 10K 
walk around Burnaby Lake. Mm. And I am that person who Sean says found it really, really hard. Um, it was one of the most challenging things I have ever done. And I will never do that again. <laughs> but I will do, I, like, I found the grind and the BCMC trail to be easier than that 10K walk. But really? I think, like, overall, um, we were all, you know, as a team doing it to prove that there are no limits and that if we can climb, sorry, if we can climb the grind, then surely we can do other things. That's right. But I think in a way, too, we're also, um, it's also an individuality thing because for me, I was also um, challenging the limits of, you know, that I'm not very fit, but I could still do it. So I think that we all had our own story. Some of us did sports before, some of us didn't. Some of us had different struggles, and I think that's also what just added to the um, whole greatness of it, which I really liked. You know, and it sends part of the great thing about that is that it sends a great message to to everybody. And and I was really happy to see that it did get a lot of media coverage oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. because it you know it sends that message to people that you know what uh, people who are visually impaired they're they're not they're not limited. To, to what exactly. you think is possible. We had uh, Mark Bentz on uh, from Canadian Blind Hockey um, a few weeks ago. And, you know, and he was saying that p- part of the challenge that, that they have is, as an organization is that, you know, people are kind of like amazed at the, uh, the even the, the idea that somebody who's visually impaired could play hockey at all, like that it could even be a thing. And that they're, you know, they're trying through, through um, you know the media and stuff to to you know send that message that yeah actually we can and you know this could be you know a, a Paralympic sport going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there's... think like from what I have kind of witnessed about people thinking that it is amazing, I think that people find it amazing because they don't know about it. If people just knew about it, they probably would just think it's you know embedded into everyday life. But right. I think that's where that's how we know that we are still maybe lacking in education and all those things because i mean it's for sighted people to know that we can do these things but i'm pretty sure there are probably some people who are blind or partially sighted who probably don't think they can do these things as well and i think that's also the goal is reaching out to them with the media so that they know hey these other blind people are doing it so can i right We've got a long ways to go with um, mm-hmm. with uh, getting the public um, more aware. Um, you know, I had a I had a good example of that this weekend. I was I was setting up um, uh, beacons, uh, navigation beacons <laughs> at the uh, the AABC conference, and as I'm setting one up, the, this guy was painting the the hotel. He he asked me what I was doing, and I I told him what I was doing. You know, and how you know a blind person could use their cell phone to get information from these beacons, and and his comment was blind people can use cell phones. <laughs> uh, I love those comments. <laughs> those are the perfect ones that you can say, yes, we can. Well, and that's, and that's kind of an interesting segue into your Ted talk. Um, because, and you know, incidentally, uh, tell us a little bit about, about the Ted talk. How did that come about? And did, was it scary? <laughs> um, yes, definitely scary, but I mean, it's also something I would, I never thought I would do. I mean, I keep saying that, but it's true. I never thought I'd do any of these things. 
um, a teacher from my high school who um, she knew me for about three years. Yeah, three years. Um, she reached out to me um, this past September and said, hey, there's this um, Langley TEDx, youth TEDx event. Um, do you want to take part? Because they saw um, something about to the grand blind on the news and they were wondering if I was interested to speak. So immediately I said yes, because I actually really love public speaking and I've been doing it for about three years. So I said yes. And the hardest part for me was finding an idea because I'm like, this is my one shot at really reaching out to some people and picking an idea. And I tried to pick an idea that I thought would cover maybe all aspects or some aspects of blindness while also finding a way to help, um, you know, public. And I think the scary part was writing enough, but not writing too much. Because I remember when I was organizing my speech, I'm like, I want to say all these things. But at the same time, I'm like, I can only focus on so much. And that is true. You can only educate, you know, step by step. You can't really overwhelm your audience. And I think that was the hardest part. I remember I was really nervous at the start um, of the talk. But as I got into it, I was I was okay. Well, and you know, and I thought that you that you brought up some some really some really interesting points. Um, you know, especially the the idea that, um, you know, especially at you know in schools, there's there's a lot of of talk about inclusion for for all kinds of different minorities, but you don't mm-hmm. generally hear a lot about, you know, the sort of the the disability community in schools. There's no sort of this sense of uh, of disability pride almost. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the kind of idea I wanted to get um, is disability pride, because even the word, if you look at the word disability has you know a negative connotation to right. it. Right. And I think that that's how people kind of view it. And I think that's how we need to change it. And I'm not saying like there needs to be, you know, this special thing for people with disabilities, but maybe integrating it slowly. Like in history class, we learn about so many different things. Where can we fit Louis Braille into that? Maybe can we fit maybe Helen Keller into um, talking about, you know, gender? Like there's different ways we can maybe subtly introduce it without having to make it a big deal. And I think that's what we need to be doing as a society. But I could be wrong. I don't well, know. <laughs> no, no, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I think that that's that's the level that 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 needs to be focused on. I mean, we need to, to build the foundation. I mean, you you can't necessarily go and change, um, you know, the, the attitudes and, or I shouldn't say you can't, but it's hard to, you know, sort of change the attitudes of, you know, say people our age, um, you know, in their fifties or whatever, they're kind of, you know, it's ingrained in them, but you hit, you hit people in the schools, you hit the young people. Those are the, you know, going forward. Those are the people that are going to actually be paramount in changing attitudes. So being able to educate, um, you know, sort of your classmates, your peers at the time about disability, they're going to go on, they're going to be become the business owners of the, of the next generation. They're going to become the, the, you know, the, the innovators, the, the Mm -hmm. tech startups. And if they're educated and comfortable around um, disability, um, they're going to bring that into the, into society. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like one of the things I said I uh, was the whole career thing. They are going to be, um, you know, future employers. That's right. And I think if they know um, about accessible technology, about our capabilities, then we will 
you know, get hired for a job. And I think it's so hard for um, people to get a job. I mean, I've looked for jobs before because I'm a student and I want to um, have a job, right? To <laughs> make some money to pay for school. Mm-hmm. But it's been really hard. And I think like the only breakthrough I've had was I was talking to a friend um, and I was kind of joking around and I was like, would you ever hire me? And I wasn't, I wouldn't plan on working for a friend, but she said, you know what? I think that employers, um, just need to find a different way of doing something. And it's all about adaptability. And I think my, like the first thing that crossed my mind was, you know, she is the person who, uh, you know, who should be employing people with disabilities because, I've never heard that reaction out of anyone. Usually it's like, sure, sure, I, I'd give you a shot, you know? But um, I think that's the reaction we're looking for from people is to just know that it's a different way of doing things. That attitude is so ingrained in, you know, I, I would say the older generation as, you know, as soon as you say something like, well, yeah, I'm legally blind, immediately their thought goes to, okay, well, what what can this person not do? Um, right. And you know, ch- changing that that idea at at the fundamental level, where your automatic the automatic response should be, "What can this person do?" Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of crucial, and you know, building it at, at the school level, I think, is is going to be the most important place to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, but but also, I, I, I liked you you bringing up you brought up um, adaptive sport. I mean, gym class for a lot of people are, is is a nightmare. Um, Let's play dodgeball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I hated gym as well. But but I mean, when, when you're when you're dealing with, um, you know, people who have have you know physical access challenges and stuff, it's it's even worse. So oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I really liked you bringing that up, and and I th- and I do I agree. I think it's really important because adaptive sports. You know, it, it constantly surprises people who are who are sort of you know able-bodied what what adaptive sports are actually out there and what what um, people with physical disabilities can do. So yeah, I, I, I particularly like the fact that the blind community has taken dodgeball and said, you know what, I don't think it's extreme enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we should make the ball heavier. I think we should blindfold uh, put, everybody. Blindfold everybody. Yeah. Put a jingle thing in it and actively try and hurt one another. <laughs> but I mean, again, you know, it goes it goes to education and removing the, the that stigma that that people have. And I think that you know, if if you know your able bodied peers are are watching, you know, their their peers you know, participating in stuff like adaptive sport, that goes a long way in changing the attitude. Mm, I mean, I think that's also what Do the Grind Blind was set out to do. It's just not only to say that we can do different things, but that we can do sport things. Um, the only requirement to doing the Grind Blind was there was no special adaptation except for having a guide. And usually you go with a friend, right? You, you, you know, you want to be social. You want to take part in social activities during the summer. And you just really just need a friend to go with yeah you need there really to was no adaptation is. there <laughs> say that again Steve. you need you need to have somebody who can mark the place where your body is <laughs> yeah. i think i did i did the, i did the grind twice i was stupid and i didn't learn from my the first time i've done it i've done it a few times 
But in my defense, once was a kind of a date. So <laughs> oh, yeah. that was that's never take a date on the Greg's Plane. Yeah, I was like, probably not the best spot for a first date. Well, it wasn't my it wasn't she my idea. Him. Yeah, she took me. <laughs> but then you're you're trying to impress them, and it's just like she, she was trying to figure out if he had stamina. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs> Answer no. no. <laughs> Yeah, the, those I tell you, getting getting hella, hella lifted off the mountain is it's an expensive <laughs> makes for an expensive end of the date. Uh, well, you know what? Tell us a little bit about uh, your experience at uh, now. What university are you going to? I'm going to the University of the Fraser Valley. Okay, and and how how is it? How are you liking it? It's very different from high school. I remember uh, really having a lot of challenges this year because it's my first year. Um, you have a lot more support in high school. You have um, usually an SEA, um, special educational assistant who will accompany you to classes. You usually have things put in Braille and, you, you know, you usually have people helping you with the notes and filling in the gaps. That's not all there in university. Um, so I'm okay with taking my own notes, but I did have to take, take a note taker this semester, which for one class, which I think is fine, but and, you know, there's no one accompanying the class, which I think reinforces independence. But the biggest challenge for me was no Braille. Um, right. Everything you get in university is um, in e-text format. So that's a book or a textbook comes in uh, like an e electronic uh, format right. that you would read with your screen reader. I'm a visual learner, which sounds very ironic. I like to uh, feel what I'm reading and I like to, um, you know, have that. So for me, being an auditory learner, I'd have to read things like over so many times that I remember all the late nights um, because I'm just not that person. And I think that that's the biggest thing I miss from high school is Braille. Like I just want my Braille back because <laughs> it also reinforces good grammar and all that. Sure. So. Hey, listen, you, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. We love Braille. <laughs> Did, yeah. did did you not have uh, any device that you could put it on and get Braille output along with the speech, or was it actually just an audio book? I had my laptop with JAWS, so it would read through JAWS, and I did have a, I do have a Braille note. Unfortunately, I'm not able to, I don't know, I don't know how to, I'm not that techie, so I can't do these things where people convert it into a Braille display. I wish I could, but unfortunately I can't. I really only use the Braille note for math. I, I I don't know how to use it. I, I'm a really bad, like, blind tech person. All right. Well, your your bonus award for uh, for coming on the show today is uh, I'm going to loan you Ryan to get that working as a Braille display for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other yeah. Don't think it's too far. You, you, met you haven't worked yet. with Ryan yet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing we can look at doing is getting the e-text directly onto the Braille note. So if you're just taking that to class, you'll have everything on your device. You don't have to take both devices. Mm -hmm. I'd have to learn how to use the Braille first. <laughs> no, it's, it's hard because I don't also have time. Like during school, I probably will have more time now. Um, but Okay, well, you have my email address. We can, we can discuss getting you up and running with this stuff. Thanks. I'm just making a mental note here to volunteer Steve or something once it comes up. <laughs> oh, <there we> <laughs> like you've never done that before. Voluntold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, you guys want to talk about some news stories now? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about the news that is. 
Uh, hey, Pinterest. Let's talk. You want to talk Pinterest? No, Pinterest. I really don't. Because we don't even know <laughs> what it is and how to use it anyways. And it's been around, what, 10 years? It has. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I actually created a, a, a Canadian Assistive Technology Pinterest account. Really? And I'm, yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to really wrap my head around it. It's, it's, Harjinder, do you use Pinterest? No. Nope. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I... I know I, what it's kind of for. Yeah, I see. I haven't even figured that out yet. <laughs> Sorry. You're, you're supposed to pin all the things you're interested in. I know. So places, recipes. It's like recipes, um, designs, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm still know. trying to figure out how to use Instagram. Just so. shut up. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk enough about me. Let's talk about, no, but so Pinterest, uh, they announced last week that uh, a big accessi- accessibility update. Uh, they've done a variety of different things that will apparently make uh, Pinterest much more friendly um, accessibility wise. And this includes. They've made some improvements to the color c- contrast sensitivity. <laughs> so they've changed their basically their color palettes um, to more of a, a high contrast color combinations. So for people with, uh, say, low vision, for example, um, you know, they're not going to have, I guess, red on black or, you know, those really those really bad color combinations. So they've. They've made some changes there. Uh, they, the big one, though, is that uh, they've added a lot of screen reader support. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've really um, improved the integration with things like voiceover and talkback, where it'll actually work <laughs> with Pinterest, which is a good start. Which means now blind people can be just as unenthused about Pinterest as I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can whatever, I guess. Uh, bolder type and customizable text size is another improvement that they've made and clearer focus indications. So when you're tabbing through different images, the it's it becomes a lot more clear uh, what where your focus is. So you might be completely apathetic, but know exactly where you are. Exactly. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't slam Pinterest. We don't even know what it's for. It could be the most useful yeah. thing in the world. There's probably a whole. Well, there's a whole culture that was using it. I don't know how many people still are using it. I'm sure they are. It's it's very big. I mean, obviously, it. you do. What do you mean you don't hear don't about, about it? We're doing a new I didn't story hear about, about it. Either, well, that's so. a new story, but I haven't heard about anybody using Pinterest in years. It's all mm-hmm. Instagram. I well, I don't know. So uh, we'll take a, we'll take a poll. But what I found Anybody inter- out there, drop us a line, atbanterpodcast right. at gmail.com. Do you use Pinterest? <laughs> well, they, they weren't able to till now. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. Maybe that's why we haven't heard about it. Yeah. Well, and I wonder what, what prompted this whole, you know, change. I, mm-hmm. well, well, I mean, that's a bigger conversation, but I mean, well, I mean, we might as well have it because what the hell we're here in front of the mics. But no, well, I think I think this is, it's a positive thing. I mean, it, oh, it, it is for it, sure. It, you know, more and more of these um, companies are recognizing that accessibility is an important feature for for their app, and that there's a you know if if they're if they're not accessible, there's a huge segment um, that they're just you know um, not including in in using it. So it's in their best interest. Well, didn't they say they were working? Wasn't the San Francisco Lighthouse that was they were working uh, with? Yeah, some lighthouse. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So, you know, there was probably either Someone. a family member, a friend, or somebody there who wanted to use Pinterest and wasn't able to and, and reached out to mm-hmm. them. But 
Uh, you know what? I think, uh, well, you know, call me, call me optimistic, but I think it's, it's, it's a result of a bigger conversation. I think you're, that you're optimistic. Thanks. Uh, how dare you, sir? <laughs> um, no, I think, I think it is. I think that, that accessibility is becoming a bigger conversation, especially in the tech field and, uh, companies are responding to it. So I think that for every one of these is, is a victory. Oh, for sure. Don't get me wrong. I think the more accessibility we have, the better. The more people than they're going to have to, you know, use their product yep. as well. So it Absolutely. benefits them. You know, so, and, you know, honestly, I mean, it's about time. I mean, as, as one of the, oh God, I don't know what, how many, how many social, social network. I mean, there's, there's Twitter, there's LinkedIn, there's Facebook. Pinterest is a big one. Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Google Plus. Not Google Plus. <laughs> it's still out there. People are still using it. Nobody's still on using, no one uses it's that. It's still on everybody's it's website. Not, it's, it's not, dude. <laughs> take a look. <laughs> so there's like six. There's like six big, big social network platforms, and and you know, it, it's it's it, to be honest, it's it's. I'm actually surprised that it took this long for Pinterest to sort of jump on board mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're you know a little behind uh, everybody else. So, yep. but I mean, that being said, Pinterest, good job. I'm. Props to you. Golf clap from Ryan. Yep. Ryan's very excited. He's going to be going on Pinterest later today. Nope. Well, I might go on and just see what's yeah, in see, there. But look, see? Yeah. Mission accomplished. Won't set Pinterest. up an account. You might. You just might after you see some of those those lovely recipes for no. jambalaya. I'm jumping over to Snapchat. <laughs> Please don't. AT Banter Snapchat. We could. I know we, we could. We could. I don't know. I have no. We don't even know what we do in Instagram. What are we gonna do in Instagram? <laughs> uh, different demographic. Hey Ryan, guess what? what? Guess what happens this week? What happens this week? Windows 10 update starts rolling out Monday, April 3rd. Today. That's today. today. Oh man! Some here, people have already got it. Here comes the mayhem. Yeah, I know. I gotta. I gotta go home and unplug all my external hard drives because <laughs> the, the last big update really. It, fried my computer for weeks oh yeah uh, i think that happened i lot. can't wait i checked for updates this morning i got my cumulative update so anytime now i should be getting it now are they letting you can you with this one can you actually just go in and and get it you, or do you have to wait for the rollout no you can wait for the rollout there's isos you can go get the iso if you want and download it yeah i might do that i might do that sooner than later so i'm not waiting for it to update on its on its own and then Yep. Having my computer lock up. <laughs> um, anyways, so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that is are going to be included in this Windows update. So they have a new feature called Timeline. Have you heard of this? Heard of it. Heard uh, of it. Yep. Apparently, it's going to let you go back in time for up to 30 days to find your stuff, whether you were working on it uh, today, last week, or a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm, I have no clue how this is actually going to work. I, I, I'm assuming that it's going to be kind of like a system restore, except kind of sort of, but it also works across devices. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you can use your phone or your iPad, I guess your, not your phone. Your phone. Your, sure. Yeah. You can, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you yeah. can have okay. a Windows phone. <laughs> sure. You have a Windows sure. phone or a tablet or if yeah. you, or apparently I guess anything using, using my, if, uh, if you're using Microsoft edge as your browser on your phone, yeah. which you can do now if on your iOS and Android mm -hmm. office. Yep. So yeah, you can start something on your phone and finish it on your computer. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. No complaints there. 
Uh, focus assist. This is. I thought that was the biggest. This is cool, yeah. That finally a do not disturb for Windows. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Focus assist will. Uh, you would turn it on whenever you want to do something and not be distracted by a gazillion notifications. So social media, email, uh, what else? Uh, e- yeah, Twitter emails. updates, any of that stuff, I would assume. I wonder if you can yeah. turn off Windows updates. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> interesting, Microsoft. I would love to see that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, this, is, this is a feature that's built for guys like me who have the attention span of a hyperactive gnat. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, it's equivalent of just rolling the boulder in front of the cave entrance and just Yep. Isolating yourself and, and uh, but you can also, of course, if you're expecting a phone call or an email from somebody specific, you can let Focus Assist know to let that particular notification through. So all in all, you know, pretty cool, pretty yep. good work productivity yep. changes. That's I can be productive now. Yep, exactly. <laughs> there, there's an off chance I might be able to be, too. <laughs> no, I don't know, Steve. <laughs> it's gonna. They, it's the drinking at noon, Steve. No, you're gonna need that. You're gonna need blinders. We're gonna have to like physically put those horse blinders on you. Put you in a room with absolutely zero contact, <laughs> zero tech at all. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, sorry. That's Some, me. Somebody's oh, jeez. I know. Uh, so unprofessional. I forgot. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you know what else? What? 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 This is going to be exciting. Woo. Updates to Edge. Woohoo! Woo. Yeah. So Will it be sort of so accessible? They are try, still trying to make Edge a thing. They are. You know, and there has been more and more support with every version they roll out for accessibility. So, you know, they're still trying to get us on it. But <laughs> there's still things you can't do in Edge that you can do in Chrome, you know, such mm-hmm. as, you know, multiple extensions. You know, Chrome has so many extensions that you can enable and turn on and edge has some but they still don't have the, the vast variety that you need or may want well i mean it, it, it sounds like you know and i'm not going to go through the, this list uh for anybody who who is interested in seeing the list uh, you know it'll be in the show notes but uh but i mean there there's there there's a lot of changes to edge they're they're really they're really obviously working hard on it mm-hmm. i guess my question is i don't know is it is it ever going to get to the point where it could be a viable competitor i mean or are they just too mm-hmm. far behind well, you know, I heard I heard on one of the podcasts I listened to last week that the user, is, you know, is a power user of Windows and is a Google Chrome user, loves Chrome, uses Chrome, won't use anything else. But occasionally he'll bring up a page in Chrome and Chrome pins his processor, like just pins it and he can't do anything else. Whereas, you know, the other thing he, he said about Edge was that, you know, Edge is a browser. Yeah, it's okay. You know, it's a bit of a delay when you're right-clicking on something for the menu to open up. But he says, you know, the advantage to Edge is it's a great PDF reader. You know, so you don't <laughs> you don't need Adobe Acrobat anymore. Oh wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Edge is That's a great a good PDF reader. Good point. Chrome is still Chrome, 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 Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> Chrome is still, you know, leading the way, and and there's so much work that Google is doing. It's so fast. You know, it's got the extensions. Right. It's it's flexible in what it's able to do. I think there's still a long ways to go before anything catches up to Chrome. Well, you know, and that, that ties into another one of the stories that I want to talk about, um, because this could be this could be an interesting edge, no no pun intended, well, actually, the pun, the pun was intended, 
Microsoft is currently experimenting with something that they're calling caption crawler. Which I thought was really cool. It yeah, is really cool. It's one of my favorites. So so just to set this up for people, uh, basically it's uh, it's a it's an add-on for for a browser that will when it when you read a, a web page and you come across a an image that does not have an alt tag, what the what it'll do is it will go out, it'll do a reverse image search for that image. So it'll look and see if the, that image is showing up on, you know, any other website on online, and if that picture has an alt tag, and if that picture does has an alt tag, then it will incorporate that alt tag into the picture that you're looking at. So it will help um, fill in those gaps of, of of alt tags. Now, you know, it's obviously it's it's limited to that particular picture. So it's, it's good for things like, um, uh, you know, stock photos, obviously, or, or photos that are, that are, you know, sort of prevalent on other websites. Um, I think we could have all kinds of fun with that feature. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Cause, Cause all we gotta do is, is when we're browsing through an article or something, if we get a, a picture that doesn't have a caption and the caption crawler hasn't found something for it, we take the picture, we put it on a website, and we make up a tag for it. See, <laughs> so you've and already we just, and we just come up with the most absurd tag random tag. Yeah. Here we see Lila riding an elephant. Though, <laughs> 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 well, thank you for taking a really good idea and perverting it before they've even managed to finish it, Steve. Thanks. It was gonna come up sometime because I was thinking that too. <laughs> well, my only concern is, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know it's it's a great way of implementing the technology of AI, you know, to give us more accessibility, but is that also going to allow developers to say, well, if Microsoft's doing it, why do we need to? Yeah, I was, I mean, I think that in a mm. way that could be true because developers might think, you know, we don't have to take care of it, but I think that it should be maybe like more of a learning curve for developers because now Microsoft has reached out to, you know, in a way reached out to people. Um, like, I mean, I, I don't know how to word this people who are a minority and, you know, who will, you know, be supporting Microsoft. I think it, developers might see this as we you know, we want to be more supported. We want to be, you know, our products to be liked. I think they should, you know, maybe take it as more of a learning curve. Yeah, well, I mean, and especially if uh, you know, for example, we've we've just been talking about Edge. If if they're developing this and they make it as an add-on that's that's Edge specific, so that all of a sudden Edge is the only browser that has this particular feature. Right. That's right. something that could give them a leg up on on the other ones. Mm -hmm. Give them the edge. And exactly, exactly. <laughs> sure, steal my jokes, Ryan. Yeah, but you know, so. You know, you may very well see the other browsers developing something like this. And again, you know, it's not it's not something that's meant as as a complete solution at mm -hmm. all. It's it's mm -hmm. something to be used to sort of help fill in those gaps because you know the goal accessibility wise is that you know uh, somebody who's visually impaired using a screen reader should be able to interact with that page and get all the information that somebody who's not can so you know that's that's the end game and this can help 
in that regard for sure. I mean, it, it's an amazing idea, and uh, and you know, hopefully, you know, they don't. The, the article doesn't really say much in terms of how close they are to actually uh, releasing it, but uh, hopefully soon, because because it's a great idea. It is a cool idea. Well, I just think you know, with all of the Google searches that have been done, all the Google images that are out there. If Google was to apply their AI, AI to doing the same thing, you know, it would be a game changer. Well, sure. And, you know, and even the other cool thing about it, too, is that not only will it, like, it'll go fetch the alt tag. And it, I think it said by default, it, it will choose the alt tag that's the longest. Right. Because as a, as a general rule of thumb, that's generally the most accurate. But it'll yeah. also list the other ones. So you could, if you're using a screen reader, you could read the first, you know, alt tag, and then you could sort of scroll down and read some of the other ones and get a really full vision. Yeah of, yeah, of what that picture is. So, I mean... It, and it might be, like, different... Sorry, I cut no, no, you off. No, it's I okay. mean, I was going to say, like, sometimes, depending on who's implementing the caption, there might be different um, views on what an image is. Right. So it also, you know, provides like more of a, I guess, wide range of perspective on an image. Whereas if you just had one, it would just be what someone, I guess, I don't know. I don't know who does the captioning, but it might be just like, you know, one perspective. Whereas having multiple tags lets you really get a feel for different um, viewpoints of an image, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and in fact, I mean, it actually gives people who are using uh, you know, using a screen reader actually an advantage because you have you now have a multitude of information that somebody who's not using a screen reader doesn't have by just looking at the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a picture of a mountain, and I you know I see okay great it's a picture of a mountain, but using a screen reader you know that it's you know Mount Fuji taken you know in 1972 by this guy and. You know, you you would have access to all that information that's that you know somebody else doesn't. So, almost descriptive audio for the web. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, you know what? Going back to the other things in our Windows update, backtracking a little bit. Uh, guess what else they're improving? What are they improving? Our good friend Cortana. Oh. Yes, Cortana, the thing nobody uses. <laughs> the thing I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is again. You know, they're 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 trying to make some improvements to it. That hoping that maybe people will. Uh, I don't know. I don't see Cortana as really ever really being a thing. But uh, well, I think the big picture is at some point there, and Microsoft's not alone in this. Everybody is going to be using voice for interaction. You know, we do it with our phones. Yeah you know microsoft wants us to do it on our pcs yeah and i think that's the that's the real uphill battle for them is because going from conventional way that we've interacted with with our pcs for years and years like trying to make trying to integrate voice recognition into that i don't know i think i see it as an uphill battle i don't i don't think it's going to ever be a thing personally i wouldn't use it only because uh, I don't know. I don't see, I see voice as more of like an Apple thing and I don't want to gen, like, I don't want to, you know, be that person, but I don't see it as like a PC thing. Um, I've always just seen it as like an Apple thing. Right. And even then I don't use, you know, voice activation on Siri. I'd rather not. I'd rather you know do things by hand, but that's just me. So. 
Yeah, well, and I think a lot of people like that. Like that. I mean, in general, it's just it's faster. I mean, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I love you know I love my Google Home. Uh, you know, Ryan's a huge you know Google Home mm -hmm. and, uh, and and Amazon Echo uh, user. Um, love love the idea of the of the virtual assistants, but I, I don't know. I kind of draw the line at at uh, my personal computing. Like it's. My problem with the with PC and voice dictation, and Steve can probably you know verify this, is you have to have your thoughts in order before you start talking, or you're going to get ums and ahs and ohs, and it's like, oh, crap, scratch that, rewind that, delete that. You, you really got to have your thoughts in order if you're going to do it correctly and efficiently. Yeah, it's very true. I, yeah. I used uh, Dragon for, for a while when I uh, had a, a wee bit of an accident with a, uh, a wood router. <laughs> and uh, wasn't wasn't able to type effectively, but um, as soon as I was healed, I was I was back to the keyboard because I just don't operate that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, voice recognition works really well for some people, but if you're used to sitting there typing, you're probably going to go back to typing, and and it goes back to what uh, our gender was saying about about her modality and and being a visual learner. Once you have that modality, it is super hard to switch to a different a different way of doing things. Right. Yeah, I, I like I feel like you know, voice dictation in that sense, like certainly word processing wise. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if we'll ever get there because I mean, just some people are just going to be more comfortable to typing as opposed to to using their voice. But you know, with this particular update and and the improvements to Cortana, it's a lot of it is associated with uh, home automation. And uh, they list Echo Bee and, and Honeywell and Nest, for example, those, you know, the the, um, the home automation companies. Smart thermostats. Smart thermostats yeah. and, the, and the like. I, I think there's smart fridges too. Um, so I guess in their, you know, that's that's sort of the realm that they, that they wanna, I, th I think, concentrate on like being able to come home and you can tell your computer hey turn up the thermostat um i'm assuming you know but you know the other side and i'm just going to throw this out there go most people aren't going to be doing that with their pcs mm -hmm. most yeah. people it's probably can, the can, phone it's either going to be the phone yeah or it's going to be your echo it's going to be your google home or it's going to be your home pod right you know like if you're in the apple ecosystem you're going to have a home pod and it's going to do all that for you connect a home kit you know if you're in the google ecosystem right. or, or even the amazon ecosystem you know they all support those three items you mentioned in that news article so are you really going to control your home automation from your pc probably not right yeah yeah i mean i i kind of feel the same way i mean i think that they're kind of you know too far behind the other virtual assistants to really have Cortana be a thing? Well, they have Cortana as a smart speaker. You they know? do? Yeah, they do. It's uh, Harman Kardon has a, a Cortana smart speaker. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Neither did I. Uh, how do you know anything about it? How, how Have you heard any reviews on it? Or no, anything? haven't. So no useful information. Thank no. you, Ryan. <laughs> 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 no, that's, but yeah, it's, so we'll see. I mean, you know, again, once again, you know, it seems like Microsoft is really, I mean, they're trying. They're trying to catch up, uh, you know, and with a lot of these updates. Uh, they're really, you know, especially Edge. 
uh, I see that as as a huge priority for them right now because they really want to get get into the browser game again. It's so weird to think too. Like they were, this was Microsoft. This was Internet Explorer. I yeah, mean, they were at top of the heap at one point, <clears throat> and now they're they're at the bottom. And it's you kind of look at the last ten years ago. How did this happen? Well, and they really want to get people off Internet Explorer. You know, any Windows Weekly podcast I listen to or Microsoft podcasts, you know, Internet Explorer hasn't been updated in a while. It's a mess. You know, they, they want everybody to switch over to Edge. So I don't think it's going to be long before you see IE disappear in Windows 10. Well, of sure. course, you know, co- corporations and stuff who are really stuck and still using Windows 7 and won't upgrade at this point, you know, still need IE 6 or 7 or 8 or whatever they're at. But, you know, for the end users i the end is near are you yeah i would think so but it's just it's so surreal to think about about internet explorer that way and, and to remember a time when they were they were just had the, the market share well to be honest with you there are still some sites i will use internet explorer for because it reads better than chrome will you know one of the, my biggest biggest beasts with chrome is if i'm trying to select text off a website you know jaws says it's highlighted it's selected i copy it it doesn't copy. Mm-hmm. Or if I copies, it copied the last thing I had selected and copied, not what I currently selected and copied. Yeah. So I end up going back to IE a lot for that. Hmm. Interesting. Well, um, we'll see. I don't use either. I, I feel so, I feel so, um, what's the word? Um, I, I don't know how to remember. I feel so like not techy because I don't use either of those. I'm just using Mozilla Firefox all the time. That's all right. It works. Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm still, I've always been a, a big Firefox fan ever since it, uh, it was first developed. And weirdly enough, I mean, even they have kind of fall, fallen behind a little bit. I, th- I think I, I get the feeling that the real uh, popular browser out there right now is probably Chrome. It is Chrome. Firefox, you know, mm-hmm. has, has been working on updates and releasing updates. And there's another you know, new one coming out fairly shortly. And you know, including more accessibility features as well. So you know, they're still in the game. But you know what's mm-hmm. you know what's interesting to me too uh, is that I don't know. I kind of feel like the because browsers used to be a really big deal. Like you know, the whole yeah. Firefox versus Internet Explorer was a really big debate for a long time. And I feel like now it's gotten to the point where people don't care. Like whatever, they'll just use whatever, whatever works. Like well, it's I, like screen readers though. Like for the blind, you know, yeah. we need to have at least two or three screen readers on our systems because not eat, not right. one works best with any browser or what, you know, whatever we're trying to use. It's like, remember the days, Rob, when you were designing websites yeah. and I would throw, you know, JAWS in or Explorer, JAWS in Firefox, right. JAWS in Chrome, and sure. all, they would all read it differently. And then you had to, you know, recustomize or redesign how the page was. So, you know, we need to have a multiple of tools in our toolbox now. It'll be interesting. Time will tell. Um, you know what? Maybe if Edge, you know, if they if they work real hard on it and and get that accessibility rock solid on it, who knows? Maybe they'll be able to to get um, a leg up in the field and and catch up to some of these other browsers. Well, I think I'm actually going to switch over and give it a shot for you know a week or two and just see how it goes because you know Freedom Scientific, you know VFO, all the screen reader manufacturers do work and talk with Microsoft. So, you know, they are getting better and better together. So give it a shot because I've really not ever tried Edge unless it popped up and said, would you like Troy Edge? 
Yeah. Or <laughs> we're going to open an edge. Which is every time you open. <laughs> I, it pops up for me too. I, I just, I don't even bother. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it when software is really obnoxious like that. <laughs> Google Plus really turned me off of that too. It's like, hey, <laughs> join Google Plus. It's cool. No, it's not. Nope. <laughs> Let's move on. We've talked enough about geeky stuff. Oh, wait. No, we haven't. Because <laughs> no. now we're going to talk about robot dogs. Yay! I think this is my favorite one. This that is way. cool. <laughs> well, sort of. Although we, we, we talked a little bit about this many moons ago. We had a robotic show where we talked a little bit about the movement of uh, trying to create uh, a robotic guide dog. Um, but apparently someone's still at it. Uh, so this article is called Why Scientists Are Teaching AI to Think Like a Dog. Uh, the gist of the article is about a researcher who has enlisted the help of an Alaskan Malamute named Kelp to develop an artificial intelligence system that thinks just like a dog in hopes of creating canine, canine-like robots. So in order to build a database of dog behavior... Uh, a team of scientists have attached sensors to this dog's paws, torso, and tail to capture her movements for a couple of hours a day while eating, playing fetch, walking around in various indoor and outdoor environments, and I'm sure taking poops. Okay, so for anybody <laughs> they who's... May have, they may have edited out. But. Yeah, for, for anybody who's ever seen a dog wearing a sweater... You know, they, they look so sad and betrayed when they're wearing a sweater. You should see the picture of this dog with all these sensors on it. It's I know. like, oh, the poor thing. He really does look miserable. It's like, is this making you happy, master? He's got like a backpack on. It's really jam like, uncomfortable. A wire. He's got something on his, he's got like a camera on his head and like wires going down to his paws. Yeah, he's not, it, it's not happy, but he's taking one for the team. Uh, so anyways, over the course of several weeks, the research researchers amassed more than 24,000 video frames, all associated with particular body movements. They then used machine learning to comb through the data and identify patterns in the dog's behavior. This was subsequently used to train an AI system to understand the behavior to a point where it could predict how kelp, that's the dog, and dogs in general might react under a variety of circumstances. So basically, you've got a computer that sniffs butts now. Is that it? Well, no. See, I was, you know, I'm thinking they could actually build those routines into the programming, so you know the dog doesn't squirrel and it doesn't go ball. And <laughs> well, it doesn't, I would hope you know, so. I mean, if they're trying to build a robot dog, I mean, yeah. I mean, why not just program it not to chase squirrels? But I mean, they didn't say that. They're yeah. working on the behavior of the dog. I know. This is, okay, this is weird. <laughs> Dogs, he's squirrel. Guess what? He might be gone. <laughs> so the research is in its early stages, of course. Yeah. Uh, they say they plan to expand the database by monitoring interaction between dogs and studying the behavior of different breeds. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the pit bull findings <laughs> are. <laughs> Yeah, they're long, long ways away. Yeah, I can just see them slapping this stuff on Daisy. Just, well, we got 85 hours of napping. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, eventually, the researchers want to build a four-legged robot that could act as a service dog. Quote, the cost of training service dogs is really high, so it would be easier for us to just train and work on a robotic dog and then have this dog be helpful in assisting elderly 
or assisting people with disabilities. This is the quote that stood out to me. This is this is the interesting part of the conversation, I think, because I want to get yeah. your guys' take on what do you think of that? Do you think, first of all, how expensive is it to train a guide dog? And could that possibly be more expensive than a robotic guide dog? Last, I, I can't see how that could be. Last time I heard yeah. numbers on training a guide dog, it worked out to something like $130,000. Yeah. Okay, I take that back. And that's when I went, you know, back when I went to guide dog school back in like 97, it was around like the 100, like Steve says, 110, 120. What? Yeah. Yeah. How? I didn't know that. I thought it was, someone told me it was 40000 Yeah, that's uh, that's for a crappy dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was serious because I never hear these yeah. like well, high up numbers. Yeah, I'm trying schools. to remember where I heard that that figure, but yep. some somebody told me that once and it stuck. Well, but, even forty thousand, that's yep. still a lot. That's yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe a robotic guide dog is is a more cost effective way of doing this. Well, you're not going to have the vet bills. You know, yeah, you, but it's no, not a dog Yeah, but it's going to crash. Like you know, it's, nothing yeah. works perfectly. What well, that's just when your it. Guide dog you know? crashes. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be able to read PDFs, do you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you really play your audiobook as you're walking down the street. That's right. <laughs> although, although I want to see, I want to see the day where where our buddy Rick from uh, Chaos Technical Services has to service a robotic guide dog. There you go. Yeah. But I mean, no, but seriously, like, so maintenance and stuff, I mean, that's going to be a, a cost that would be, I mean, because these mm -hmm. would be obviously be, if they existed, uh, incredibly complex pieces of hardware. Uh, so you're, you're going to have maintenance, you're going to have things breaking. Well, security, you know, they're still trying to figure out security issues on IoT devices, yeah. right? Internet of things. So, you know, somebody going to hack into your dog? <laughs> Who knows? You know, your, Sorry, your, dog's the way you said that. your dog's sitting at home charging. And, you know, you go out for a walk, and you know your and dog's then, not your dog. And then you come back, and he's going through your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, also how the weather too, right? Like, is it yes. built to withstand the snow, the, the That's heat, right. the the rain? Is it an all-terrain all dog? Mm -hmm. Well, and not only that. I mean, that you know, we haven't even talked talked about the the big thing, which is. For a lot of people, their guide dogs. It's an emotional. It, it's an emotional. Yeah. It's, it's part of their family. It's it's, you know, there's there's something that uh, you know an, a living creature uh, brings to the table that you're not going to get from a robotic guide dog. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not just about, you know, my my dog takes me from point A to point B, and that's the only usage I get out of my yeah. guide dog. Nobody in the planet is going to say that. Right. You don't come home and you don't put your dog like you can, you know, put your cane away or something, but you wouldn't do that to your dog. And I think most people know that when they go for the training, That's right. because I think most people want more than just like guide someone to guide them. It's about companionship. And I think that's like the like you said, one of the biggest things that this is going to if if it happens, replace or take away, I guess I should say. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if this it, to, to me this kind of feels a little bit of a waste of time. I you know. I'm well, it's hard to say. You know, like I, like I said earlier, yeah. the article says this is a long ways away. Well, sure. And who knows what society is going to look like at the at, at that point in time? Mm -hmm. You know, we may all be wearing jetpacks and flying around the skies and. <laughs> Okay, right. <laughs> it's 2018. We're supposed to have flying cars. We do, but no, we don't have flying cars. We do have flying cars. Yeah, we, we don't we have do. flying cars. No, we, we don't. Do. Yeah, yeah, we do. Where? Uh, Vegas, for one. What? Yep. 
They're, okay, I'm going to have to confirm they're, that. They're doing, do. a, they're doing a test rollout of, uh, of uh, flying taxis in, uh, in Vegas oh. uh, in the next year, I think. Really? Yep. Something uh, else for me to look what, at. That's <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I did not know that. Hmm. All right, well. Uh, but we're still, but still, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we can't even get Uber here, so we're a long <laughs> yeah. ways away from our <laughs> Yeah, then what, if we have robotic guide dogs, then what are taxi drivers going to refuse? That's right. To, uh, to yeah. No aluminum in my car. Yeah, sorry. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Only chromium. <laughs> I have a religious prohibition against rare earth metal. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Not the right color. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, um, send all hate mail. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Please send all hate mail. No, like no, we, said, we, we need we'll, hate mail for the next episode. Yeah, Absolutely. Really send that hate mail. Yeah, maybe we should say start saying things that are. Really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when did we stop? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're used to editing ourselves. Um, okay, let's talk about one more, and then we got to get out of here. Um, tech firms increasing accessibility for disabled users. This stood out to me for for a couple reasons. Um, more of a it it, it was nice because this is from a, a site called VentureBeat.com. Uh, it's nice to see accessibility being discussed on mainstream sites um, as something that's um, a growing trend, uh, and I think it's it's absolutely right. Um, you know, it uh, one of the first things that the that the article talks about. And the general gist of it is just simply a lot of tech companies are are delving into a lot of R and D for accessibility features, and and there there's a real business model for uh, accessibilities, uh, especially in the uh, in the tech industry. And they talk about Airbnb and how Airbnb just rolled out uh, last week. They uh, they rolled out a some new filters that. Include like you know you can look up uh, what Airbnb what Airbnbs have uh, wheelchair accessibility or um, there's there's like you know if, if the filter is like I think twenty items long um, and they talk a, a little bit about um, this eye tracking uh, system that I thought was amazing I hadn't heard about this but there's a company called Toby that uh, that makes a um, an eye gaze system for your for your computer have you heard about this steve you're not oh yeah yeah toby's, toby's been around a while yeah they've been around quite a while but apparently that they have a system 150 dollars, and it's incredibly accurate oh yeah well mm. that that's brought it down because i mean the toby mm. system used to be 10 grand so if they've brought it down They're, to 150 bucks that's uh, that's putting it right in the hands of the people who uh, need it well they're they're there's a big push for for it using it in gaming um, and VR yeah. and stuff. They they really want to try to incorporate that technology to sort of um, uh, get a leg up in the in the gaming industry. But also, you know, they're talking about you know how it can be used for marketing and stuff, where if you know you can you can actually track where your eyes are going. Right. You know, you can you can zoom in and and be like, hey, you like those buttons on that shirt, eh? Here's some ads for some more buttons. Because you, you apparently really like buttons. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I was looking at uh, some of the some of the uh, applications for beacon technology, and one of the one of the things that they were talking about was, you know, you could have like a display screen up, and you could have three sets of shoes in front of the the display screen, and depending on which pair of shoes somebody picked up, it would play them an ad for that pair of shoes. Yeah, like, hey, right. Look, you know, this yeah. made out of carbon fiber and so on and so forth. So yeah, I mean, you you could do the very same thing with with eye tracking. And from the sounds of it, I mean, this this technology is getting so good and so small that you could very well reach a time where it's built right into laptops and, and computer monitors. Yeah. It, it's they could build it into clothing, <laughs> and then and then women would know once and for all. Yes, he was looking at my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe an alarm will go off. Yeah, a little alarm. Beep. I saw, hey, hey, you were caught. Not just women. <laughs> it could be men too. Yeah, well, yeah. Could be looking at men's butts. That's, That's true. Right. That's also true. Uh, so very interesting stuff. Um, the the stat out of this article that I that I was actually I found really uh, really interesting to hear because I'd never heard of a I hadn't really heard of this number before. But they say globally, fifteen percent of people experience some form of disability, uh, which works out to about a billion people. And twenty percent of that they would they would categorize to experience significant disabilities. Um, still, that's a huge number. A billion yeah. people worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's no wonder that that uh, businesses are are you know seeing that there there's a real market. There's, there's a, a real market for it. There's been an yeah. awakening. There has been an awakening. Three years, five a- years. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, when when you have the big boys, uh, you know, doing so much R&D on stuff, when you have Microsoft working so hard, uh, you know, on the, their accessibility arm has just been, you know, pumping things out over the past three years. There is a reason for that. And uh, it's our podcast. <laughs> we'll take full credit for 100 episodes yeah. <laughs> we've changed the world yep mission accomplished uh, no we still have to make a gazillion dollars we have to change the world and oh right and we have to make rich we have to make uh, middle-aged pudgy and bald uh, the new sexy the new that's, orange that's the other thing we got to do now okay yeah. all right i will put those on our to-do list <laughs> <laughs> should be no problem at well, all you guys have got the bald down don't you Oh yeah, most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> um, anything else to say about that? Anything else that stood out to you guys about that article? Go accessibility. Yeah. yeah. It's. I'm telling you, it's. It's really nice to see. I, I find that it's. It's more exciting now. Um, in in the accessibility field than I think it has been in a long time. Yeah, I, definitely I, made a lot of progress. I mean, Steve, you might have a better sense of this. I mean, but I mean, I feel like back when smartphones first came out, there was a real, there were some real rumblings in the AT community, right? We were, there were, we were a little scared because with, with the advent of apps and, um, you know, touch technology, it was really kind of changing, um, AT. Oh, it has. It's totally changed the face of AT. But but I mean, it's changed it. I think at the time we were just we were, we were a little worried it was going to cut the legs out from under it. But I don't think that that's the case. In fact, I think that it was very much the opposite. It's really created a bit of a renaissance in in AT over the past you know five years. Well, there's all these cool platforms out there now that can be leveraged to do more in terms of AT. Um, you know, I, I think of a company like Iris Vision where they, they looked at a, a, a cell phone and a virtual reality gaming system for that cell phone and said, hey, we, we could turn that into a visual aid. 
Right. And all of a sudden they've got one of the lowest priced head worn uh, CCTV systems because they're leveraging the mainstream. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah. so we now have, you know, the eSight glasses, which are out there selling for, I think, $10,000 US versus the Iris Vision leveraging an off the shelf system, which is selling for, uh, $2,700 US. Right. Don't, don't quote me on those prices, but, <laughs> but I mean, there's a vast difference there because they're able to leverage the mainstream technology. Um, right. so the, the, these new, these new technologies create new possibilities and, and new ways to innovate. And I think that's really what, you know, the basis of our fear back when these things were first coming out was, well, how do we adapt? You know, what, how, how do we move forward with this? Because we, we knew AT wasn't going to disappear entirely, but we didn't know where it was going to head. Right. And we're starting to see more and more where it's heading. And um, the way that it's heading right now is uh, more innovation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the really exciting part. Yeah. Every it's, It seems like every week we hear about um, somebody innovating something else. And it's not big, huge companies a lot of times it's small startups, you know, a couple, yep. a couple guys out of fresh out of university with an idea. Yeah. They're able to, to, you know, pair something together and, uh, make something that hasn't never been seen before. So, and it's nothing new. You know, what, another example I heard of recently was you know, going from Microsoft DOS to Windows 95. We went from a text-based interface to a, a graphical user interface and the blind population had no idea how they were going to be able to access a graphical user interface. Right. You know, how, how's my screen reader going to be able to read these images, these pictures, these whatever. And, you know, the innovators came up with a way. Yep. Yep. The Ted Hunters mm -hmm. and Dan Warricks and yep. them guys, Thomas Friedholms of the world, they, uh, they got out there and they started, uh, they started Hiding coding. Things. Hammering at it. Yep. yep. Very exciting. It is indeed. All right. Well, shall we get out of here? Yeah, let's get I, out of here. I think we've done enough damage mm. for one week. Probably. Harjinder, <laughs> uh, hey, thanks so much for, for helping us out today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a fun time. Excellent. Now, do you have anything at all you want to plug? Do you want to, do you have a, do you have Twitter, Facebook? A blog, a website. New any, album. Anything else? New album. New album. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I have anything plug i mean go check out uh my ted talk you should really watch uh go check out blind beginnings yeah i mean i did start a blog i mean i've only had one i've only put one post on it it, it i did, it's like a wordpress blog but it doesn't index to google so i don't think people will find it yet but it is called um the blind perspective mm -hmm. so yeah all right well I mean, you yeah. send, send ryan the links we'll link to all of those in the show notes and, Thank you so uh, much. You'll probably get like an influx of like three people. <laughs> all, all three of our listeners. Steve's mom. Uh, <laughs> Rob's cat. That's right. <laughs> uh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? Tell, tell, tell the three people where the they can go. To <laughs> well, as usual, you can find us online at www.atbanter.com. You can also drop us a line, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Send in your questions, comments, anecdotes, poetry. All feedback. Dirty welcome. limericks. Uh, you can, anything at all. We'll read it all on the air. Haikus. 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 Nonsensical 
babblings. We we accept any and all things. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Uh, where else can people find us? Well, let me see. We've got that uh, that uh, Pinterest account, right? That's no, we <laughs> actually we do. Actually, we Snapchat. do. I will. You know what? I'm going to link to that in the show notes. People can go Pinterest, look at Instagram. Look at my Pinterest board that I've got set up for assistive technology. That's great Instagram. Yeah, yeah, we got that too. And there was actually yeah. stuff posted on it this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, there was actually. I, I'm working. I'm working it. Yeah, uh, we've also got Twitter. We've got uh, Facebook. We do not have Google Plus or MySpace <laughs> or MySpace. Yeah. Uh, and where uh, where can people find that thing? Canadian assistive technology. Canadian assistive technology can be found online at www.canastech.com. That's exactly the way you'd think it would be spelled. And uh, what about uh, Rick Chant? Tell us a little bit about him. Rick Chant, the miracle worker of assistive technology, the guy who can fix anything but your cat. Uh, can <laughs> and your be robotic found, guide dog. And your, <laughs> not, not yet. He hasn't been trained. Uh, he can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. In case you're wondering how to spell chaos, it's C-H-A-O-S, technicalservices.com. And uh, that's it. yeah, that's about it. Fantastic. Harjinder, you're going to have to come visit us again for sure. Thanks. Anytime, anytime you want to sit in. Anytime you want to replace Ryan as, as actually one of the hosts, actually, that might be. Mm, that might be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> now he's, oh, now he's giving me the, now he's, he's not happy with me. No, I'm just fine. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you say he's you glaring. do whatever you got to do. <laughs> he was willing to talk to help me with tech. Of course he's not going to Oh, be yeah, that's right. That's and I guess right. the podcast are not Rob's host. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no. yeah, I gotta go Taking buy my, my toys and going home. That's right. My dumb truck. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in. And we will see you all next week. Hopefully, if Ryan lets us back into the house. It's our anniversary show. You'll all be welcome. Oh, yeah, that's right. Are you, are you, uh, what are we getting for drinks? I've got a bottle of tarantula. Do you really? I do. Oh, no. And I've got, people want Kahlua. There's iced tea. I think Steve can bring beer. Oh, man. Probably manage that. What is that, Monday we're doing That's that? Monday, 11 what? to 1. 11 to 1? Yep. We're going to have do tequila shots at 11 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Oh, God, I love working for you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest job. Rob ever. can bring munchies. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Take.